When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. As always, my name is Adam Burns. I'm one of your hosts for this series and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, how are you doing on this beautiful Sunday morning? Are you okay? Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, If you haven't been hiding underneath a rock, you'll realise that Lewis Hamilton is now a seven-time world champion. And to be honest, I'm absolutely ecstatic about it. Yeah, absolutely right. And of course, for those of you that haven't seen the Grand Prix so far, obviously spoilers ahead, but it was a race filled with uncertainty, unpredictability, a mixed up grid, changeable weather conditions, so many different variables and caveats that you could throw at almost any numerous number of circumstances that you could come up with in the end was won by Lewis Hamilton, the one constant that seems to remain in Formula One these days. And as Courtney rightly pointed out, Lewis Hamilton, with that victory, confirming what we knew was going to happen sooner rather than later, his seventh world championship, equaling the great Michael Schumacher. And now, of course, statistically becoming the greatest driver of all time. Whether or not that is enough for you guys to determine Lewis the greatest of all time, a very hard debate to have nonetheless. But of course... That's uh, up for you guys to decide. We're not going to be debating on that. But of course, we are going to be going over the main talking points of the race itself. And first things first, Courtney, let's look at the obvious headline. Lewis Hamilton winning his seventh Drivers World Championship in Formula One a week after Mercedes or two weeks, I should say, after Mercedes confirming their seventh Constructors World Championship. How much do you be feeling right now? Because, of course, you're a huge Lewis Hamilton fan followed him from the very first moment that he turned a wheel in Formula One. As a British fan and a Lewis Hamilton fan, how much do you be feeling right now at that headline? Lewis Hamilton, seven-time world champion. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I probably sound like a broken record, but, you know, as you stated, I've been, I've been watching him from the start. I've been around for the good times. There haven't been that many bad times. Obviously, the statistics speak for themselves. Um, I think he's won pretty much one in every three races he's entered so there haven't been that many bad times but particularly during the times during his latter years at McLaren when he wasn't winning races he was getting into tangles with Felipe Massa a lot and he was and throughout his career he's come under a lot of scrutiny from the media from from a decent percentage of the UK population seem to have stigmas attached to Lewis Hamilton. And we've done an episode about that, so do check that out. But I, 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 it's, it's still sinking in. It's absolutely incredible that the guy that myself and my sister Chantel have been supporting from the start is now statistically the best of all time. And I don't know about you, Adam, but I feel that his performance today, in those conditions that were truly unique, nothing I've ever seen, 
in, in this fashion. The way that he performed really did. It was almost like he proved a point today because he had no right to win. The Mercedes were struggling all weekend. And he still managed to find the way to extract the best out of that car to win by almost 30 seconds and lap his own teammate. Whilst the other driver, who's considered to... There's this growing sentiment that Max is better than Lewis. We saw him have a scruffy race by his own standards and spun on, um, on two occasions at least. And I just feel this was overall a great day for Lewis. Yeah, you're absolutely right. For a lot of reasons, we got to see more of the talent that we attribute with Lewis Hamilton. Some of the things that perhaps people don't appreciate during his most dominant period in the sport and there's been plenty of them and sometimes I think a lot of people a lot of fans of the sport may talk down Lewis's ability on the premise that he has the fastest car and success is almost a guarantee in in ways you only have to beat your teammate on a day like today conditions have been extremely difficult all weekend in Turkey whether it was dry or whether it was wet and of course we'll get into that as the weekend unfolded but today we saw moments in that race where I think it's fair to say we no one expected Lewis Hamilton to be winning the race at the early stages and then of course as the race went on judgment calls strategies were being made based on the ever-changing conditions of the circuit and how the race was unfolding and Lewis made the right call at the right time to stay out and do a much longer stint he almost did 50 laps on those intermediate tyres to eventually as you say come home to not only win the race but by win by such a comfortable margin I mean we're running out of superlatives to describe this young man who as we already talked about doesn't have a contract in place for next season as as we said already we'd be very surprised if Lewis Hamilton doesn't stay beyond this season no matter what people are trying to look into his celebrations and the emotion that goes into it but once again another reminder for so many people that probably doubt his abilities, and I'm not sure why that is the case, but, you know, haters going to hate, I guess. Um, absolutely incredible performance, once again, from Lewis Hamilton. And as, as I already said, I don't think there's much more that we can say on this, Courtney, but as you mentioned, of course, Max Verstappen, a driver I personally thought was heavy favourite to win today, qualifying second on the grid. Yeah. Uh, alongside the surprise pole sitter, Lance Stroll, which, of course, we'll talk about his race a little bit later on had a day that did promise quite a lot in the early stages, but there were key moments in that race that Max, despite his immense talent, arguably the largest of his generation, and once again was held back by certain moments where he made the wrong judgment call under the circumstances and he paid a heavy penalty for it. And that obviously brings up that question once again, Uh, when you're comparing someone like Lewis Hamilton to the rising star in the next generation, like Max Verstappen in particular. But um, of course, we'll get into the race itself. I mean, before we talk about the race, I mean, the build-up was absolutely ridiculous, Courtney. Um, You know, Friday practice, the track had been relayed 11 days before the actual Grand Prix had taken place. So the track was very slippery. The surface was not great. A lot of undulating corners and a lot of bumps and that tried to be uh, sort of paved over if you like pardon in the, the pun but it just created so many difficult conditions for a lot of the drivers really struggling to the point where we thought we were going to have a very mixed up order Mercedes did not look on pace at all throughout the weekend until Sunday afternoon I mean what did you make of uh, the news about the track 
being laid out very recently before the race and of course the changing conditions in practice made it difficult I'm sure a lot of fans were um they they saw the results that came from the uh the track being relayed so close to the event they must have been thinking god we need to be doing this more often you know it really did it gave, it gave us a mixed grid and you know if qualifying wasn't enough it was wet we had some rain before the race itself it was it was uh, Bernie Eccleston's dream because he wanted to. Um, he had a he had a thought once, didn't he, about making uh, well naturally wet races. So um, I'm I'm sure I'm sure Bernie would have been watching that with some kind of excitement in his old age. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just I think that was the kind of race that fans have been waiting a very long long time for. Because as 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 great as it is for my favourite driver to be doing well, it might it must be frustrating for a lot of fans to see. The same guy. How many times has Lewis won this season? Ten, isn't it? Ten times. Uh, yeah, he's in double figures now. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think with that, he's, he's won the majority of the races. So I can understand the frustration when you're going into a weekend and you're thinking, oh yeah, he, he's going to win again. Oh, he's going to be on pole again. And up until Sunday, it was it was in, with the actual race itself at the beginning of the race. I saw I saw how oily the surface was, the result of the surfacing and, and the weather conditions. At the start of that race, I, I said to you, didn't I, 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 messaged you, um, I, I messaged you privately, and I thought, anybody can win this race. It's the first time in a very long time that I've had that thought before a race. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the conditions definitely warranted a race like that. It was definitely up there, one of the races of the season, probably the best race we've had this season. Um, and this year has really delivered some really memorable moments this season, considering the fact that it's a very revised calendar. We've had a lot of difficulties, a lot of obstacles to overcome owing to COVID. It's almost been a success just to get a championship season out, let alone one that we're going to remember for some time for races like this one uh, and other classic moments that we've seen this season. But, I mean, spare a thought for those drivers that were driving around. I don't know if you saw this, but they were driving around the Eastern circuit at night, Friday night into Saturday morning constantly doing laps over and over again purely because they were trying to lay down more rubber onto the circuit to make the track grippier for the drivers on Saturday morning only for it to be completely washed away by the rain and I'm not gonna lie I saw that and I found that hilarious but literally I did feel really really sorry for those guys that spent all those hours must have been exhausted wake up in the window uh, open their curtains the next day to see the track absolutely pouring with water drive and you know it was even less grip than what we saw on friday so um but nonetheless of course qualifying was a huge huge session um for many drivers so many different obstacles to overcome with the weather and of course that culminated in lance stroll getting his first pole position and before we go into more details that i think it's worth talking about his race first lance in particular a fantastic performance from him first pole position i think the 101st driver to get a pole in formula one uh, the fifth youngest driver, believe it or not, to actually get a car on pole position. I can't remember the overall list. I think Max Verstappen obviously tops that with Charles Leclerc, Sebastian Vettel and Fernando Alonso, I think, were the other three drivers to do it that were younger than Lance. But um, he started the race really, really well, Lance Stroll. And, you know, Racing Point looked very solid for a while. It looked like Racing Point were going to finish first and second in the race, you know, they both got away very well. Perez was doing a good job behind Lance. Lance was getting away at the front. And I think the jokes that I was seeing on my social media feed was that it seemed the 2019 Mercedes was much better in wet conditions than the 2021 
obviously leaning to that joke, the old joke with the uh, racing point being similar to the 2019 Mercedes. But uh, as the race went on, it was a key moment in the race when the track was starting to dry out. The track was so slippery. It didn't look like we were ever going to get to dry conditions. And even if we did, I don't know if that would have been much better considering how much everyone was struggling. But it was that key moment in the race where, you know, the teams and drivers had to decide whether to pit for intermediate tyres, fresh intermediate tyres, or stay out on the current ones because there wasn't really much difference. And you had to give up that 20-second margin to put on the new sets of inters. Lance decided to go first. His tyres looked completely wrecked. But then Sergio Perez and Lewis Hamilton stayed out, and that proved to be the right way to go. And Lance was never able to recover from that and dropped completely down the order to the point where he just about finished in the points at the end of the race. So, I mean, what were your thoughts on Lance's weekend, Courtney? I mean, you got to feel sorry for the guy who looked very good for a long time that he may have got his first win in Formula One. Yeah, I do feel sorry for him. Um, he was... He was on the radio to his team, and I don't think he was keen to go in and go on to another set of intermediates. Mm. But in the end, I think the team made the um, decision for him. Um, and then we saw, like with uh, with with Lewis, he I, I, I suppose his stature helps. He he pretty much said, "No, I want to stay out. I want to stay out." And it just it just comes to show that him and Perez made the right choice in the end. And um, so ba- basically, if you anybody's listening, it isn't that into Formula One, basically the intermediate tyres were so worn in, they basically became drier tyres and that's why it benefited Lewis and Perez so much. Mm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And um, obviously with that dry line forming, if you can stay on that dry line, your tyres should be okay. And uh, the reason why the intermediates tend to wear down is because the grooves on them are obviously designed to remove any standing water but can be run at certain higher temperatures to give you more running in less tepid conditions than you would get when the full wets are required. And as you mentioned, Courtney, because of the issues with the lack of grip on the circuit in dry conditions, it kind of created this very unique window where intermediate tyres that had worn to such a degree where they were almost behaving like slicks were the way to go, at least on the inner treads of the tyre. And Hamilton in particular, uh, and Sergio Perez, both of them did nearly 50 laps on them. It's an incredible stint to end up finished first and second. And uh, But, you know, sometimes that's how it goes. And as the great Edson Senna said, sometimes you have to be on the right tyre at the right time. And that's the most important part of racing in these conditions. And he certainly knew how to race in uh, ever-changing conditions like wet weather at and center. He knew a thing or two about that. But um, moving on to Sergio Perez, you know, obviously moved up a place. He got his best qualifying of his career in third place. So it's certainly a fantastic looking grid if you're a racing point fan. But this is a guy that currently still does not have a seat in Formula One, at least at the time that we're recording this, he doesn't have a seat in Formula One. And, you know, the, the obvious... Uh, signs are that Red Bull if anybody's taken him it will be Red Bull that window seems to be closing more and more and more the more I, the more I'm seeing the news feeds and more more rumors I'm hearing the popular choice or the likely scenario seems to be Alex Albon is going to be retained by Red Bull and uh, there won't be a seat for Sergio at all because Yuki Tsunoda may possibly be moving into the Alpha Tauri so uh, this is a guy today who currently uh, needed to get a good result and he got that result today you know there was a point in the race where he may have thought he could have won this race if it weren't for you know Lewis Hamilton's brilliance he probably would have done and 
managed to consolidate that result, get that second place, his first podium of the season, and now sits fourth in the championship. So behind Max, Valtteri and Lewis, it's the best of the rest, if you like. And he's missed two races this year. So I guess the question remains, Courtney, if Sergio Perez does not get that Red Bull seat next season, what more can this guy do to get a seat? And what a shame it would be to not have Sergio on the grid next season. Yeah, this is a prime example why he needs to, um, he needs to, like, in these, in these conditions, I really do believe that changeable conditions really show pound to pound who the best drivers are. You know, we've, some of the names that we've mentioned have excelled. That's, that's all you need to know. We've, and, you know, like, I'm, I look back to Perez's career. I remember back in his Salva days, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember him getting a podium in his Salva days in conditions similar to this. So, yeah, again, this isn't a one-off. He has shown in the past. And, and I don't know if... if I, I, know, I know Red Bull want to sort of take a different approach because they are rash in removing drivers from their junior programme. But surely they must look on and think, wow, look at what Perez done today. And, you know, I'm sure we'll speak about Albon's race later in, in comparison, but I'm, I'm, I'm just looking on as a neutral. And today's a prime example why surely they should be looking at Perez. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And uh, for those of you who guessed when that was, that podium for Sergio Perez, his first podium in Formula One was for the Sauber team back in Malaysia 2012 when he was challenging Fernando Alonso, very nearly won that race as well. If it weren't for a mistake at the penultimate corner that just took him off-road, he may have beat Fernando on that day in the Ferrari. So, um, you know, Sergio Perez, once again, brilliant performance, obviously equally in his best performance. Very nearly got away from him when Charles Leclerc put that move up, uh, when he made the mistake a few corners to the end, and Charles Leclerc got ahead, only for Charles Leclerc himself to outbreak himself at the end and allow Sergio to sneak by along with Charles's teammate Sebastian Vettel to end up getting that second place. So you're right, Corny, it'd be such a shame for Sergio to not be in Formula 1 next season. I think it'd be devastating, although I'm a bit concerned that that may be the case next season. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, you know, when he, he you know, he, he did really well at Salva, absolutely was brilliant, young star, was part of the Ferrari Driver Academy for some time, made the move to McLaren alongside Jensen Button to uh, replace, uh, believe it was, well, replace Lewis, actually, I should say, in 2013. And it never really worked out, perhaps a move that was too big for him too soon. Um, but, you know, he raced for Force India and then obviously become racing points since then. And he's just come leaps and bounds and is a very reliable driver, scores a lot of points, very consistent. And he's the sort of driver I think that Red Bull need in these circumstances. Very reliable. And you know what you're going to get from Sergio. And on his day is a match for anybody. So we'll have to wait and see on the latest developments of that. I'm not massively confident, but I think a day like today, a performance like he's put in will go a long way to really make Red Bull think if they're not going to put Sergio in that car, you know, if that's the right decision or not. So we'll have to wait and see. But I'm just going back to Mercedes quickly. We'll talk a little bit more about Lewis, um, you know, Another fantastic performance from Lewis. Obviously, the key was, you know, making sure that he stayed in the running, you know, use the strategy. I mean, it's all these little things that Lewis does, the way he drives, the way he can manage these situations, the strategy call that he makes, overriding his own team's instructions on occasion. Those are the hallmarks that we see 
as, as to why Lewis has achieved so much in the sport. He's won half the world championships that he's been in. He's won 94 Grand Prix, now over 160 podiums. I mean, we're running out of superlatives for the guy. But then you look into the other side of the garage, Valtteri Bottas, who had a very, very difficult day. And it just shows that no matter what car that you have, even if it's the best car, you know, you can't just sit in there, turn up and expect to win. You have to deliver. And unfortunately for Valtteri, he had a completely contrasting day to the point, Courtney, where a couple of laps to the end, they said on the radio, I had four laps less. And he said, I wish it was less. I mean, how must Valtteri Bottas be feeling right now, given the fact that he probably knew for some time that Lewis was going to win this championship. But in these difficult races, it, Lewis always seems to find a way, whereas Valtteri just seems to struggle. And this was a very hard day for Valtteri. What do you think he must be feeling at this point in time? Well, he, he must be feeling like he's running out of ideas now. He's been he's been teammates with Lewis for three seasons now. Um, and it just seems like, barring the odd race here and there, he, he simply can't keep up. Today, Today's another example. You know, I, I, I said it a couple of minutes ago. These kind of races show the level of the drivers. You know, when when it's wet, the ability of the car tends to sort of even out. So the cars become more equal. So the actual ability of the driver stands out more. If if anything, Mercedes were the victims of their own. Uh, the fact that they're so good, they became victims of that because where the conditions were so slippery, and the temperatures were cold. Mercedes were actually struggling to get heat into the tyres because usually they're good at keeping the temperature down in, in other tracks, and that's why they're so good. So if anything, they became the victims of their own success, yet we saw this massive difference in performance between their two drivers. So it just shows yet again, with Lewis, I think the, the guy deserves credit, but when you, when you look at Valtteri, he must seriously be running out of ideas because he hasn't even been close to challenging Lewis for a championship. No. I you mean, know, yeah. Because right. if you have a look, if you have a look at Rosberg, you know, everyone talks about, you know, 2016. Okay, I have, I have my opinions on the reliability and everything, but throughout the three, well, four years that they raced together, Rosberg did challenge Lewis. Like, he, he, he took him close on one or two occasions. But Bottas has gone nowhere near, and I don't like I don't like to shoot people down, but it's been three years now. He he's surely running out of ideas, and I, I feel that next year is a massive one for Valtteri because I think there's a guy further down the grid that should be given a go in the Mercedes. I've I've said it a million times, but I think I think Valtteri really needs to up his game, or he could find himself losing his seat at Mercedes. Yeah, no, that's a good point to make. Um, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Um, obviously, you mentioned Nico Rosberg, and I want to put a question to you before we uh, conclude this first part of the episode. When Rosberg left in 2016, the relationship with at Mercedes before that with him and Hamilton, was so fractured at opposite ends of the garage, they just couldn't handle it to a point it was at breaking point. Would you say that if, you know, if Nico Rosberg had decided not to leave and stayed in Formula One, first of all, uh, would Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton be celebrating the success that they have? Or would you feel that that would have got to a point would have been too, um, too difficult to handle, too tense, that 
Mercedes may have been tripping over themselves and perhaps throwing away championships. I mean, do Mercedes owe Nico Rosberg um, the wealth of gratitude the world has to offer for actually retiring at the at his own peak in 2016 and allowing Mercedes to have um, you know, a driver partnership with Valtteri Bottas involved, who by contrast to Rosberg is probably one of the easiest drivers to work with and supportive towards his team and you know everything else that's allowed them to achieve the success they have. I mean, what would you say to that? Would you think that Rosberg leaving in 2016 has allowed Mercedes to achieve all of this? Or do you feel that they would have done it anyway if Rosberg had stayed? No, I completely agree. I reckon, because I've, I've had these thoughts in the past as well. If you have a look at the way that the 2017 and 2018 championships ended for Sebastian Vettel, I think it would have been a very different story with... Uh, Nico and Lewis taking points off each other. And, and let's be honest, after 2016, the way it ended, there definitely will have been um, a few coming together in those um, those two seasons. So I, I, I think uh, I think as happy as Mercedes should be for Nico, I think I think Ferrari <laughs> Ferrari shouldn't be too happy about it because I, I do because as as safe as the championship looked for them at the end of both 2017 and 2018, there were moments in those championships that were defined that were defining, and it would have been very different if Nico, Nico had stayed with Mercedes. Hmm. And I think you're absolutely right. Uh, 2017 and 2018 in particular, when Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel had a car and drive a partnership capable of winning a world championship and very nearly did on both of those occasions, especially in 18. It's probably fair to say if Nico Rosberg was there as well, rather than it serving as having two cars go up against the one Ferrari, you may have been in a position where they're tripping over each other and that allows Sebastian Vettel a free pass at both world titles. So we could be talking about Seb Vettel being a six-time world champion and Lewis Hamilton winning his fifth world title. It's just, it's fun to think about. And I'm going to put that to you guys as well, watching this, that, um, you know, put in the comment section, do you think Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, would have won seven world championships by now in an alternate parallel universe if Nico Rosberg was still his teammate? If you do, that's fine. If you don't, let me know who you think would have won those world championships. So let me know how many titles you think Lewis would have if Nico had decided to stay beyond 2016. So that'd be a fun thought to think about as we go into the break of this episode. So we're going to take a break for a few moments, guys. So have a look at the advert if you're interested, and uh, we'll see you in part two. The DNF1 F1 podcast is a brand new show that covers the latest gossip, news and events in the world of Formula One. In each episode, we discuss the hot topics, interview guests, as well as review each race from the Formula One World Championship. We upload new episodes weekly, and we upload our podcast episodes on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We also upload video versions of every podcast episode on the DNF1 F1 Podcast YouTube channel, as well as other great content that you can check out. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and click the notifications bell so you don't miss out on any new content that we produce. You can also follow and engage with us on social media. The DNF1 F1 podcast is now active on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. So welcome back to part two of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And of course, 
general plug as usual don't forget to like share and subscribe to the youtube channel if you are watching this podcast on youtube and of course if you are following and listening to the podcast on all major podcasting platforms thank you so much for choosing to tune in to our series to our show and we hope that we're doing a good job in bringing some sort of color to the world at the moment which is obviously still going through the same old issues that we've been facing for quite some time so uh thank you very much for your support nonetheless and of course don't forget to follow us on social media as you can see the handles on this screen if you're watching the video podcast on twitter instagram youtube and facebook and of course if you are listening to us on any major podcasting platforms you can follow us on twitter and instagram dnf1 underscore podcast youtube and facebook dnf1 f1 podcast as well so make sure to check those out as well so getting into part two um just to obviously go on a little bit more about what we were talking about before the end of the first part when we were talking about how significant nico rosberg's retirement potentially had played into Mercedes hands after all obviously with the benefit of hindsight I don't think they've been too thrilled about it back in 2016 but could potentially have been a blessing in disguise given the success that they've achieved in the four seasons since and you know we were talking about in the break uh, off off camera about how in the past in recent times teams have struggled to have success and keep two drivers that have been constantly battling against one another in quite a fierce rivalry and I mentioned to you Courtney about back in 2007 funny enough Lewis when in his rookie season you know making headlines for all the right reasons really surprising a lot of people including his teammate Fernando Alonso to a rivalry that completely engulfed the season got everyone's interest and because it becomes so fierce some of the actions on both drivers it ended up being one out of nowhere by Kimi Raikkonen in Ferrari. And of course, if we fast forward to the Red Bull days, back when Sebastian Vettel was winning world championships, the rivalry with his teammate Mark Webber, the multi-21 incident in particular, almost culminated in other drivers benefiting again, such as Fernando Alonso in 2010 and 2012. So I suppose um, the question will remain, I don't know what you think about this, but is it possible for... A team, no matter the size, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, or any team in Formula One history, to have two drivers working in, well, not in tandem with each other, but competing against each other. I mean, look at McLaren with Senna and Prost, another example. Yeah, you beat me to it. <laughs> I mean, is is it is it just written in folklore in Formula One that every team needs to have an outstanding number one and the number two that, for lack of a better way of putting it, backs them up? Yeah, they can. Teams can only get away with it if they're exceptionally quick so Mercedes could possibly have got away with it this season they did in 2014 to 2016 but it's only because the gap was so significant to the cars behind but no way would they have got away with it in 2017 and 18. Hmm. Yeah no a best way of putting it to be honest I think that's why you know we talk about so many teams that dominate the sport in the past when Ferrari had their era of dominance Williams of course in the 90s and McLaren towards the end of it there was always a clear number one and number two in those teams. There was never really any doubt. I mean, 1999, for example, Eddie Irvine was very, very close to winning the world championship in 99 in a Ferrari that clearly was the class of the field. You could argue if Michael Schumacher had not broken his leg, he probably would have won another world championship on top of that. But even when Michael came back and was playing the support role, straight away he demonstrated his pace in that car and said, I'm the de facto number one. I'm still the guy 
even though I'm backing my teammate Eddie up. And the Malaysian Grand Prix in 99, for those of you that hadn't seen it, great example. Michael was nearly a second faster than everyone in qualifying, dominated most of the race, but then slowed down to allow Eddie to pick up the win so he could give him the best chance of winning the World Championship. Of course, that was unsuccessful. And Ferrari still won the constructors anyway. But it just goes to show that even though you know, t- teams like Mercedes, as you mentioned, were successful for a short period in Red Bull, despite having that rivalry in their team. Formula One teams, in in our opinion, just seem to really thrive when you have a, a clear number one and a clear number two. And the bigger teams have always tried to say both our drivers are on equal terms. We don't prefer one to the other. And I believe that that's what they intend to do. But there's always an understanding of who is the man or who is the boss in that team, as far as the drivers are concerned. Um, I mean, Red Bull's a great example of this. I mean, it's Max Verstappen's team and other big drivers like Ricardo have had to leave to get that somewhere else. So um, just some food for thought. Of course, let us know what you think about all of that. Do you think teams can work with two top level drivers going at each other or do they need to have a system where there's a number two one sorry number one and a clear number two um moving on back to the race review the main talking point of this episode and you know it's not often this season as a ferrari fan that i could honestly say i was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get more but still be happy with the result and maybe that's me being greedy but what a day for Ferrari, um, Charles Leclerc, Sebastian Vettel, the latter of which easily, in my opinion, the driver of the day, Sebastian Vettel, fantastic performance from him, but ended up finishing third and fourth. Sebastian Vettel getting his first podium this season and his first podium for Ferrari since the Mexican Grand Prix last year. I mean, what a great day for Ferrari. What did you make of their performance and in particular Sebastian Vettel's performance, Courtney? Yeah, it's quite interesting because... In like the seasons where Ferrari were stronger, you'd usually see them make high-profile mistakes in wet conditions. But with today, where, where Ferrari, generally speaking, have been beyond, they really did benefit from the conditions. And, you know, I'm, I'm particularly happy for Sebastian Vettel because, you know, we've, we've had the discussion many a time. In the last couple of seasons, he's made so many silly errors. You know, he, he's known... He's pretty much become a massive meme because of the amount of spins that he's had. And yet today, I think today is probably the first time in over two years where we saw glimpses of the Sebastian Vettel of old. And I'm sure the uh, the top men at top men and women at Aston Martin will be very happy with what they've seen today because that that is that seemed to be the Sebastian Vettel of old. Let's not forget in the first stint, he'd done a great job holding Lewis Hamilton behind him. He was, do, he was, doing, he was doing a job on Lewis. And Max Verstappen as well. Exactly. Like, let's, let's not forget that. So it was, it, it was, it was glimmers of the Sebastian Vettel of old. And I'm sure everyone at Ferrari will be happy. I think even, even um, Charles Leclerc um, tweeted, you know, as, as, as disappointed as he is to miss out on second place. So I think he's very happy for Sebastian Vettel because on a human level, it's, it's, it's been apparent how down in the down dungeons Seb has been. So and I think it was also fitting to have Sebastian Vettel on the podium, you know, this race of all races, you know, congratulating who has been his main rival because these, these guys have been have been competing for, for years now. So it was, it was quite a happy podium with Perez there. It was a very um, happy podium overall, but I think I think Ferrari will probably be one of the happiest teams coming out this weekend for sure. Well, for 
those interested, what we may have seen at this race was the most world championship standing on a Formula One podium at any one time with 11, technically, now that Lewis has wrapped up his seventh. And yeah, you're absolutely right with Seb. Um, what's the old saying? Form is temporary, class is permanent. And uh, I think oh. Seb personified that today. Um, he hasn't had many outstanding performances this season. He's had a few good days. The Spanish Grand Prix one that comes to mind, a very good day. He drove pretty well at Imola, despite the poor finishing position. If it wasn't for the mistake his team made on strategy, he may have ended up near the podium anyway in that race, the way that that panned out. But today in particular, very difficult conditions, I should say. A difficult qualifying for Ferrari, 11th and 12th. They ended up after grid penalties, and that was sort of uh, fixed the grid's lineup. And I think... Other than one moment in the pits where Ferrari took a bit longer to get one of Seb's tyres on, it didn't really cost him too much. And at the final lap of the race, when Charles looked like he was going to snatch second place from Sergio Perez, make made a very uncharacteristic mistake considering the way his season has gone. One that he was very upset and angry about on the team radio afterwards, comparing it to the stupidity of Baku. He was that disappointed in himself. And, you know, I can totally understand with that. But it was so nice in a, in a weird way to see Charles do that because it allowed Seb to sneak up and take that third place and almost get second off Sergio Perez. And if that's the last podium, which I, as a betting man, well, not a betting man, but if I was, I'd probably expect that to be the last podium I, I would see for Seb in a Ferrari car. It's a very, very nice way to reward him considering all of the difficulties that he's had this season, the way he's not been able to get to grips with the car. And it's a terrible car, let's be honest. It's not like Seb has been expected to get podiums this season in this car, but it's a miracle for Ferrari to get the results that they have done. But it's such a nice moment. And as you mentioned, Courtney, when he was the first to congratulate Lewis Hamilton and basically said to him, you know, you are making history and we're here watching it. To hear that from who has arguably been your greatest rival in this generation, you know, the respect that these two have for each other. It's a very, very much amicable bond, amicable bond, I should say, in Formula One between Lewis and Seb Vettel. But it was a beautiful moment. And ironically, not that I want to put much of a spin on this, um, or pun intended, Spinella and all of that. Um, some of the younger fans will appreciate the Spinella meme to a point where I, I do find some of them quite funny as well. But um, Matti Bonotto was not at this Grand Prix this weekend. He was overseeing the updates that were going to be coming onto the Ferrari for 2021, including the new engine that they've been talking a lot about as well. So... Um, a bit of irony there, Courtney, I would say, that Matteo Bonotto, the team principal at Ferrari, not being at the event this weekend, and Seb Vettel gets a podium and arguably Ferrari's best performance this season, finishing third and fourth. What do you make of that? Yeah, probably had the confidence boost of Austin managers away. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely uh, took advantage of that. But I don't know, maybe, you know, with, with Seb being aware that his time is coming towards, like, that Ferrari is coming towards the end. Maybe this has a sense of freedom about his driving, so maybe this recaptures some of his previous form. And yeah, as I said already, I think Aston Martin should be um, very happy with uh, what they've seen. Because I think I think what they're doing behind the scenes, and you know, with somebody that does have the innate ability of Sebastian Vettel, they should be quite excited about next season already. Yeah, I mean, as a Ferrari fan, uh, like I've been for almost three decades now, shows my age, but um. 
Seb has been one of my favourite drivers to ever drive for Ferrari. Of course, it's a shame that he'll never win a world championship for the Scuderia. Uh, that today has obviously been confirmed if we didn't know that already. But um, it's definitely one of the relationships that I would have hoped that would have worked out so much better. And for a long time, I thought it would. But it does bring me joy seeing Seb on the podium today and seeing all of that anguish and anxiety and all this bad feeling, the karma, whatever you want to call it, just wash away from him, almost to the crescendo of his team, rival teams, all congratulate him alongside Lewis so that he can share that moment with Lewis Hamilton, that success he's achieved. And also, you know, um, enjoy his own, the latest of his own success. And I just hope that next season at Racing Point, we're going to see the old Sebastian Vettel back. Um, you know, the driver that won over 50 Grand Prix, four world championships, and has really brought the best out of many rivals, including Lewis Hamilton to some degree. We can argue probably Lewis's best driving came during those periods in his career, if not perhaps this season excluded. So such a great thing to see. Um, Charles Leclerc as well. Of course, we should talk a little bit about Charles. A driver in the early stints of the races, Courtney, looked completely out of it where... Vettel got such a great start, making up nine places all the way up into third. Um, and then Charles Leclerc was completely nowhere. But as the race unfolded, he made the strategy call to go onto the inter-tires first. He ended up having a massive undercut on a lot of other drivers, making up so many places. Towards the end of the race, you know, he couldn't have imagined he'd have been fighting for second place. But alas, he did get a bit greedy on the brakes at the final corners and ended up losing the podium. What do you make of Charles's day? Should he be disappointed given the way the weekend was going for him? Or do you feel that he should be happy at least he got fourth place in this race? Yeah, it must be mixed emotions for him considering, you know, the end result. But at the end of the day, I'm sure um, I'm sure both Ferrari drivers going into any race weekend this season would, uh, would have been taking a podium finish or a top five finish. You know, straight away, you know, they're not in a position to challenge for race, race wins on podiums or more pace. So it must be mixed emotions. But I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Charles de Leclerc must be, you know, must be aware that he's got plenty of years ahead of him. There'll be plenty of podiums. And today's another example why I feel he will probably be the main contender for championships with Max Verstappen whilst, um, whilst Lewis moves on. So I think, I think, Charles should look at this season overall. He's done brilliantly. He outperformed, which has been a pretty poor car. So this is just one moment in what I reckon will be a long and successful career. So I don't think he should beat himself up too much over it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I feel the same way. Of course, I was a bit disappointed because he didn't get the second place. But I think the fact that Sebastian Vettel ended up on the podium instead kind of just thought, actually, I'm kind, I'm OK with this. Um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm happy not to get second and fourth because Seb's on the podium. That's what I I'd rather have seen in that moment. And yeah, you're right. Charles's mentality is very self-critical of himself when he makes these mistakes and he does learn from them. It's not like he keeps doing it again and again and again. These happen a lot fewer than they used to. And nobody's without fault. All the drivers make mistakes in certain situations. I mean, Lewis's right to victory today was certainly not without fault in the early stages. Um, very nearly got took out in turn one when he put his Mercedes right next to the two Renaults and managed to come out of it unscathed, quite fortunately, but it was a bit bold. But, um, you know, given the situation, I can understand Charles's frustration. Um, you know, you have to take the good with the bad, but overall I thought it was a fantastic performance and it was a shame for him. He couldn't get that cherry on the top getting second place. And, um, 
he won't appreciate me saying this in the drivers' championship, but if he'd have held on to that, he'd currently be fourth in the championship. Instead, oh. yeah, that's how tight it is. Um, because Perez obviously is now fourth, and they would have switched places if uh Charles had finished ahead of him in the race. So that's how tight it is. So to be in that position, given the car that he's had this season, it's an incredible season we're seeing from Charles, easily better than what we've seen from him last season. Um, and he's getting better and better to a point, as you mentioned, he will be the guy probably to challenge Max Verstappen in the future. So we sincerely hope that Ferrari and Red Bull. And Mercedes as well, whatever they do in the future, will be up there fighting amongst each other. I mean, looking at the Constructors' Championship, to go a bit sideways a bit, I'm just looking at it now. And the argument was which of the three teams was going to win or come third between Racing Point, McLaren and Renault. Racing Point now occupy that with 154 points, Courtney, after Sergio Perez's performance today in particular. And racing and McLaren are now down to uh, to fourth with 149. Renault on 136. Out of nowhere, Ferrari have now shot up because of that huge haul of points they got today. 27 in total are now at 130. So despite only being 24 points behind Racing Point, and the chances are they probably won't overhaul them, do, is it possible for Ferrari to perhaps? nick that third place with three races to go do you think that they can do it and do you think the car is capable because they have been getting better to a point where the aws graphic was implying that other than the renault ferrari were next in that overall pecking order at least as far as car performance is concerned not necessarily the engine but what do you think do you think ferrari could get third well i must say hearing that is um is music to the ears because we've still got three races left and, you know, both the Constructors' Championship and the Drivers' Championship have now both been, you know, they're, they're now finished. The winner's now been decided. At least we have some kind of intrigue going into these last three races. And, yeah, given, given the form and, you know, the confidence that Sebastian Vettel should take from today, this could lead up to a very entertaining final three races. You know, and we're going to have... We're going to have... Two night races, well, no, they, all, all three races are going to be night races, aren't they? You know, there's going to be something different. And also, it'd be interesting to see what that, um, the different layout at Bahrain for the second race, I believe, is going to be a completely different layout. So mm. we're going to be having different types of circuits as well. So, yeah, this, this race for would be third place is far from over. And I, I think that's good. I think the fact that we're going to have some kind of race going into the last three races is brilliant. So, Bring it on, but I think yeah, I think I think Ferrari definitely carrying the uh, the momentum. But like, geez, at the beginning of this season, it's it's crazy to think that we're that we're asking the question: Are Ferrari going to uh, battle for third place when really a team of their size should be battling for the championship? Yeah, it's uh, almost criminal to think that we'd be happy settling for third place if we were Ferrari. But um, that's the reality they find themselves in. And if they were somehow able to achieve that, that'd be a massive achievement. The prize money is a factor as well. So we also should factor that in. And Ferrari, even though they may not need as much of the prize money as other teams do, would certainly rather have it than not. Um, speaking of another team that wouldn't really be too happy with third place uh, is Red Bull. Now, what a day it could have been for Red Bull. At different points in this race, we were under the opinion that, or I was certainly under the opinion, that either Max Verstappen or Alex Albon could have won today. And uh, sadly, unfortunately for both of them, they both made 
big errors at key moments in this race. Uh, Max Verstappen, of course, chasing Sergio Perez after turn 11, got in his outwash behind him, was in the wrong place, got onto the AstroTurf because there was no downfalls, completely sent his car into a spin. I think he did about three or four spins there. So um, not sure if the Spinala meme this week is going to be for Max. I mean, a lot of memes, uh, a lot of spins, I should say, uh, there's always lots of memes, but a lot of spins, I should say, was happening over the course of the weekend, in particular the race. But once again, Courtney, we saw a driver in Max who did so well and was very unlucky not to get on pole position under the conditions. Look, the hot favourite today. And in a key moment where perhaps a calmer head or more experienced head may have prevailed, Max's immense talent is completely outdone by a, well, moment of misjudgment or poor judgment, I should say. Well, what did you think about Max's race? Because it, it could have been so much more for him today. Yes, it was an interesting one with Max today because the general trend of this season has been if the Mercedes mess up, Max will be the guy to pick up the pieces. Well, this weekend has been a completely different story. Red Bull, I'd say certainly in big chunks of that race, did have the fastest car. Mm. So, you know, this this whole stigma attached to Lewis saying, oh, he only wins because of um, his car was the best car. No, the Red Bull was the best car. And I don't know, may, maybe, I don't know, maybe somewhere in the back of his mind, maybe that was on Max's mind. No, this is a big opportunity for us to get another win. And he did, he did like, particularly, I can't remember, I think, was it, which racing point was it? Was it Perez? I think it's Perez he was um, is trying to overtake. Yeah, it was, it was Perez, yeah. Um, it was almost as if, like, he was, like, too keen. You know, he just needed to be, to be patient. You know, if he had to stay patient, he would eventually have got ahead of Perez and it could have been a completely different race. So it does it does seem that because there are so few opportunities for Max to win at the moment, it does seem like he's almost in his head and it gets the better of him when he actually does have the opportunity to win. And, and, and with Albon, like at one point, I thought Albon was going to win a race. And then he just he just seemed to fall back. He made a couple of big errors himself. And, you know, going back to the, the Perez-Albon argument, today was, yet yeah, again, another example of Perez excelling, you know, when he needed to, and Albon making more mistakes. And I don't know. I, 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 I agree with you. I do feel that Albon will end up staying at Red Bull, but I don't know. Like, the evidence is almost damning when it comes to that debate. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Corny. And uh, just a quick touch on Max as well. This was the first time this season that Max Verstappen has failed to finish in the top three when he's finished the race. So, uh, you know, every time he's seen the checker flag, he's been on the podium. Uh, he's retired yeah. four times this season, retiring, uh, I believe, was it Austria or Syrian? I think it was uh, yeah, Austrian Grand, Grand Prix. Yeah. He retired. Um, and then you had the three Italian races. So clearly Max doesn't enjoy going to Italy that much because he retired in all three of those. Then every other race, he's finished in the top three, except for today. That's how good Max Verstappen has been this season, how consistent he has been. And, um, and, and it, this goes back all the way to the US Grand Prix last season. This is how long that run has been going on for. In that time, he'd won two races in Brazil and, uh, well, the F one seventieth anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone as well. But um, moving on to you know, so uh, Max is actually allowed a day off or two, but unfortunately for him, he'll be disappointed that he didn't convert this into a win. But uh, sorry, moving on to I should say Alex Albon. You're right to point out today was a big, 
big opportunity for Alex Albon to maybe even get a win today. There was a period in that race where he looked so fast, he overtook Sebastian Vettel brilliantly when Lewis Hamilton had struggled. He was closing in on Perez and obviously the conditions were starting to change. He started to fall back a bit and then he had that spin coming out of turn eight where there was a bit of rain and uh, it, it just kind of showed what we'd known this season with Alex that he's a driver that's got a lot of speed a lot of pace he's very good in difficult conditions like the ones we saw today but his biggest problem has not been able to convert the points or convert the big results when they come knocking and even though I'm of the opinion that I think Red Bull are going to keep him I just feel that once again today with Perez doing so well and Alex Albon by contrast once again, missing out on a big opportunity, it does raise the question, Are if Red Bull do go down the route I think they're going to go, are they making the right decision? So um, we'll have to see what happens with that one. But uh, obviously, coming towards the end of this podcast now, let's have a quick talk about McLaren. Very strange day for McLaren because at the start of the race, they were absolutely nowhere. They were struggling on pace and they looked like they weren't really enjoying the conditions. And as the race went on, Sir Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris had come alive in that race and they got some very good points I mean Carlos Sainz come fifth in that race and he was catching uh you know the, the Perez and the two Ferraris towards the end of the race I mean what do you make of their day Courtney because they were completely in the shadows until the final parts of the race where all of a sudden they were there yeah um you're spot on um it seemed to be you know the the, the change in form for them in this actual race happened a little bit too late for them because, you know, you're spot on. Um, Sainz was right on the back of that trio you just mentioned. And Lando Norris, just out of nowhere, was just churning the fastest lap after fastest lap. I noticed, I was like, oh, it's such a shame there's like, there's that kind of gap there because if it wasn't, Lando Norris could have been right in the mix as well. And it would have been, it would have been great to have seen Lando up there because he's, he's had a little bit, by his own standards, he's had a bit of a torrid time lately. So it would have been, Great for him to get a big result today, but I'm sure he'd be happy with uh, with getting the fastest lap. And yeah, towards the end, McLaren were were looking great. It, it just seems that with these midfield teams, though, that they just seem to have their form seems to be so patchy. You know, even within a race, so sometimes you'll go, oh yeah, you know, they had a good race here and then they had a bad race there. But with the season, it seems like these teams are having like good stints and then bad stints, and it, it just seems to be so unpredictable. But it's great for us the neutrals to see, and I reckon we'll be seeing a lot more of that in the final three races. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and I love this dynamic with Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris. I, as I said this a couple of weeks ago, that this is easily the closest battle between two teammates that we've seen in any team this season. And once again, seeing the results that we saw today, Carlos Sainz has now moved ahead of Lando Norris in the championship by one point. So we've got three races to go, one point separating them. And they're both trying to get third place for Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship, which obviously they've relinquished for now. They're only five off of racing point. Who do you think is going to win that one, Corny? Are we going to see McLaren's outgoing Spaniard, Carlos Sainz, going to Ferrari next year take it? Or will the uh, boy wonder, Lando Norris, who incidentally we will be covering in our next podcast, so make sure to check that out. But who do you think will win between the two of those? It looks like, for me personally, it looks like the momentum is with... Carlos and I just feel that with you know with the fact that he's leaving uh, for Ferrari next season I think he like the guy on high so I'm gonna go with Carlos but with with like Norris Norris does his form is very patchy 
So if he goes into a good run of form, you don't know. But right now, it just seems that momentum is with Carlos. Yeah, I, I probably agree. I think Carlos has really grown in the latter half of this season and we're seeing more of the big performances from him, uh, like he did in Monza, of course, very nearly winning that race. But uh, between the two of them, it's a great dynamic. Two teammates have a lot of respect and fondness for each other and they're getting results on a regular basis in a car, which I think it's fair to say is probably slipped now to around the sick fastest. Um, yeah, definitely. Behind Ferrari, Renault, Racing Point, Red Bull and Mercedes. Of course, if you don't agree, feel free to let us know, but it just seems to be going that way with the focus shifting primarily towards 2021. Uh, just a quick touch on Renault before we run out of time on this episode. Uh, we only got enough time to cover them. There wasn't really much that was going on for some of the other teams that just struggled in the conditions, so we'll spare uh, giving much of analysis on them if that's okay with you guys. But Renault, it did promise a lot today. Ocon and Ricardo did pretty well in qualifying. Great starts. Funny enough, um, I did notice something off the start on the replays that they did. It was pretty brilliant. In the difficult conditions, everyone was trying to get out of first gear and it was almost like a crawl getting off the start line. But the Renault drivers, interestingly, started in second gear. So they had a lot less torque on the tyres, which gave them that grip and that traction. And they both got brilliant starts to the point they were challenging the racing points. And so unfortunately... Esteban Ocon did a brilliant job getting up to third when Ricardo tried to go up the inside of him and then Lewis went up the inside of both of them. If it wasn't for that, uh, the two Renaults wouldn't have tagged each other. Not to put blame at Lewis, it was a fair incident. That's what happens. But you got to feel for Renault today. It was a day where it promised so much in the initial 800 metres off the line. But then after that, it completely went downhill for them. Yeah, I mean... I think if you look back on the race in general, I think it was another solid performance uh, for Daniel. But um, yeah, you're right. It could have been. It could have been also different for Renault. Um, but it could have. We kind of were probably robbed of an even more entertaining. Like, I'm, I'm saying like a spoiled kid right now. But we could have been robbed of an even more entertaining finish because this midfield is so tight and these conditions tend to bunch the midfield together even more. But Overall, it takes us into these last three races, makes them even more interesting. So no complaints on the neutrals. But I think, yeah, it could have been a bit of a missed opportunity for Renault. Um, I think particularly for Danny Rick, he, he usually um, excels in these kind of conditions. But unfortunately, it didn't really work out for him, did it? No, absolutely right. And of course, you know, we we're talking the last race in Imola, Daniel Ricciardo was sipping champagne out of his shoe. Today, the only thing coming out of his shoe was sweat and rainwater and not really the most pleasant experience either way. But uh, there's certainly one that's probably a bit more favourable than the other. But nonetheless, Renault still with work to do. Midfield battle exciting. And believe it or not, Corny, before we finish this up, there was no safety car today. Just uh, a virtual safety car Crazy. because Crazy. of Giovinazzi's retirement, but uh, no safety car, which was amazing. I think that was the most amazing thing about this race. The Burt Minelander is expecting to get wet and getting his boots soggy today. Clearly, didn't have to. Could have just sat in the break room, get himself an ice cream like Kimi Raikkonen did all them years ago, and just enjoyed the action like the rest of us. But um, I think that's enough to cover the end of this episode, guys. So thanks for tuning in, guys, and uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Of course, once again, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the channel if you're watching this podcast on youtube and of course if you are listening to us on any major podcasting platforms thank you very much for supporting following and tuning in to the dnf1 f1 podcast so all that's left to say is a uh, thank you courtney once again for hosting this episode with me alongside me once again yeah you know what love doing it and i think i'm gonna uh go away and sit back and 
appreciate what has occurred this afternoon because it's a truly great moment. And I hope that any of the uh, fellow Lewis fans listening in love what we do and are enjoying the moment. But also like to quickly put out there to the people that hate Lewis and sometimes might come to the opinion that it's boring that we talk about Lewis a lot and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, Lewis is the man of the moment at the moment. So I know I know it might be frustrating, but at the same time, we do need to discuss the biggest topic, which is, you know, the greatness mm-hmm. of what Lewis is achieving. And there will come a time when Lewis isn't around anymore. And I think that's maybe when everybody, more people will tend to appreciate what he's achieved. And once Lewis is gone, you'll find you'll have new drivers coming through like Max and Charles, and there'll be plenty of moments to look forward to. So mm. mini rant over, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, you're absolutely right to point that out. And uh, I think back to when I saw Lewis cross the line, the first thought that comes to my head was Michael Schumacher on the 29th of August, 2004, when he won the Belgian Grand Prix to confirm his seventh world championship. Little did we know that when we were saying goodbye to Schumacher in 2006 originally, arguably at the time that, well, not arguably, the um, the greatest of all time at that period statistically, we were then saying hello the following season to the man who would then, 16 years later, not only equal his records, but go on to eclipse them. And of course, next season, if Lewis sticks around, we'll see if he can get that magical eighth world championship which no one not even michael schumacher has been able to achieve in formula one so i cannot wait to see how that unfolds but nonetheless guys thank you very much for tuning in stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast take care see you soon Podcast Network.